Bearcat Bounce Podcast. Back at it again. It's a Monday. It's a Monday night. It's a uh, welcome back Monday night. We're all back together Monday night. The one, two, three, four greatest Bearcat fans and followers and uh, writers and podcasters that you can gather together. We're finally all back at one at the same time on a beautiful Monday following a splitsville for the basketball team following uh, a continuing to grow in a new direction for the football team. I mean, it's a, it's, it's Bearcat Monday and it's no better time to welcome my three guys, my pals, my dudes, if you will. That's right. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Ryan Royer. We're back guys. How are we? I'm good. Good. <laughs> Somebody, I, I mean, geez. I didn't know. Like, you got you to you be a point guard, Brent. You got to. No, I always open it up to a how are we. You threw a tip <laughs> off instead of a, a, a direct pass. I always throw it to a how are we. And then Chad <laughs> takes over. Then I'll go to Aaron, how are we? And then I'll say, Ryan, how are we? I, I've spent 13 days in a hospital room. I'm not great. <laughs> if you want to know, I'm not great. I'm here, but I'm not great. We love having you. Honesty is a good thing too. Aaron, how are we? I was I was sick in the early parts of the weekend, and I'm feeling way better. Got after it a little bit well, yesterday, we and yeah. we're 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 starting off a little rough. Ryan, how are we? I'm good. I'm excited to be back. I needed some BBP in my life. It's been way too long, but yes, it has. Had some opportunities to. Um, I got an opportunity last minute to go see Alec play. Two mm-hmm. weeks ago, and then I had tickets to the Bengals Bills game bought over in the summer. So painfully had to skip out on you guys, but Oof. but that wasn't too fun of an experience, though. So I guess that was uh karma for trying to skip out on you guys. But what you get, what you get, yeah, I know. <laughs> but just glad, glad to see that DeMar Hamlin's doing good. Um, mm-hmm. that was a scary event. Um, he actually just got released right today. Yeah. Well, he from... got sent back to Buffalo. Good. Um, so he's still in the hospital. He's just in the hospital in Buffalo now. Yeah. yeah. But taken care of by UC's finest, you know, had had That's some awesome. run, had few run-ins with them. Um, nothing too serious, <laughs> but they were always, serious. they were always the best. So I'm just glad to be back. Had a good weekend. You know, those two doctors, they, they look like two guys that, that you could sit back and, crack a few cold ones, slam some pints, and just hear story after story from them. They they both seem like really, really cool dudes. Um, and, yeah, hats off to them, man. The whole story went from, like, sad, kind of, you know, what's going on to, like, wow, this is turning into be an, an awesome turnaround story. I mean, the whole back and forth that they had, I don't know. They, you know, I'm sure there will be some movie or book or something written about it because the, uh, the story of that is awesome. So, uh, but, hey, without further ado, shout out to Holy Grail. Why not? I'll give Holy Grail a shout out. We love you. I put the wrong. We love you. We're always there. The blueberry beer yeah, and the Reuben wontons. Spent a couple nights down there. I have never been to the Holy Grail for a fun fact, but uh, wow. I hear the Reuben, what? I hear the Reuben wontons and the blueberry beer is fantastic. But the uh, best thing is the Joel DeBlanco um, stolen pizza from the kitchen. That's the oh. best. Okay. Now that he doesn't work there, I guess I can throw, throw that one out there. <laughs> look, look, you wouldn't think they have really good pizza. 
Yeah, I really love good it. pizza. Tastes even better with a couple Bud Lights in you, too. Hey, so. baby. <laughs> you ain't lying. But uh, quick shout-out as well. Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Danco Joe. Mention Ryan Royer. Alex Pierce. Mention Desmond Ritter. Mention the Bearcats. Mention the BBP. <laughs> Give him a shout. Danco Joe Gardner. will hook it up. They will know Travis what Kelsey, to do. Jason Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, just throw it all out there. Graham, every, I, every every player. The Heights, <laughs> Cleveland Heights, throw it out there. But uh, yeah, $10 off your next oil change, 10% off your next fixings with Danco Joe. Danco, transmissionoutcare.com. Guys, welcome back. It's a it's a national championship Monday. Uh, of course, the game's going to be starting here shortly. The Bearcat just Basket. It just started. the The Bearcat basketball team just played a uh, a game against a team who we might be talking about in, in a few months from now on a Monday when they're playing in the national championship. That's right, the Houston Cougars. Let's start off with that. I know Aaron and Chad, you guys had yourselves a little bit of a of a deep dive into that last night. So Ryan, were you able to take in the Houston Cincinnati game yesterday afternoon? A 72 to 59 loss, 13 point loss. Uh, one of those where it was it was some turnovers, runs, and before you know it, you're down against a team that's almost impossible to come back against. Ryan, just just thoughts because you haven't talked about Bearcat basketball in a while. Thoughts about the team where they are, and then of course that game yesterday. I think it's just been a season of up and down. It's you lose a game and you come back, you play better. You think things are going in the right direction. Then you drop that one versus Temple, which was really ugly. And then bounce back for Wichita State. And like, all right, that's a that's a tough place to play. They've been a storied, solid program. Um, and then you're like, all right, we got some momentum. Let's go shock the world. But we knew how good Houston was and Houston's going to play their style of basketball, consistent, good defense, good rebounding, good movement on offense. And that's pretty much what they did. And it just kind of shows the still that Bearcat basketball still isn't back. It's still not arrived, but it showed some glimpses. You know, I thought we attacked the glass really well. Um, but I mean, it still shows like we got a lot, to, a long way to go because Houston's kind of where this program used to be at, you know, um, kind of up in the top five, uh, you know, making, making a lot of noise in basketball. So kind of just, that's like the, that's like the future of watching Houston play right now. I think it's doable. You know, I've always raved about West, but still got to get more consistent. And, you know, you saw that back in, uh, on Sunday. Mm -hmm. The, uh, a quick side about Houston, a 13 point loss, of course, you know, it was a little closer and then it ballooned out to, to 20, 20 plus, And then, uh, since I was able to bring it back a little bit with a with a little mini run themselves there in the latter half of the second half. But only only these six teams, UCF, Virginia, Alabama, St. Mary's, Kent State, and Oregon. Those are the six teams that have lost by less than 13 or beaten Houston this year. So, you know, I the, the whole I, I asked Wes a question that in the presser yesterday about uh, finding silver linings within the team or or just you know the the rebounding advantage is what I mentioned because Houston is is one of the best rebounding teams in the country and they were able to out rebound since I was able to out rebound Houston is it at a point right now where you can look at at these things and say hey you know what they battle on the boards that's something that's a positive to take into the next game. 
or Chad, is it something that you we you've mentioned before where it's a, a plugging of one hole and then another hole comes open, or it, you know, that little metaphor that you've made a couple of times? Or do you see this as okay, well, they are improving the rebounding, that's something that will continue along the way? I mean, they, they definitely since the temple game have improved their effort on the glass, they've improved their awareness of of what they want to accomplish you know as a team on the glass um but then you you look like dog shit taking care of the basketball like i don't think that's i don't think that's a like that there's any correlation between right. those two i just think they they got a little lackadaisical or got a little like you know predictable and right. what they were trying to do, passing the ball. And part of the thing that's interesting to me is I've, I've watched a little bit of Houston. I haven't watched a ton of Houston this year. Um, and they're averaging almost nine steals a game. So I'm guessing based on what I saw yesterday, because they don't have that, the type of length that they've had, like on the perimeter, They've got length, but their guys are mostly 6'2", 6'3". Like, you're not talking a bunch of, like, 6'5", 6'6", like, Dijon Giroux and, like, that crew. Um, who was the other kid from North Carolina that you see almost got? Nate Hinton. Is that his name? Nate Hinton. Quentin Grimes as well. was, a, was Yeah. A so, I mean, but they had these, like, big, long, like, bully you defenders yeah. And they don't really have that this year. Right. So I'm guessing that is an adjustment that Kelvin Sampson has made that like, we're going to jump passing lanes and, and because we can recover and we've got the athleticism on the front line to, to not have it kill us. Um, and it was something Cincinnati clearly was not, I, I'm sure they were ready for it. I'm sure it showed up in the scout, but it's one of those things live that like, okay, I'm going to, like, I'm just going to get the ball over. Like, you look at him, you you telegraph it. Just going to get the ball over here. And then, right. you know, it's a corner jumping her out. And next thing you know, he's dunking the ball on the other end. Mm -hmm. um, that really, I mean, if you look, that happened five times, four or five times. Yeah. Where they just stole it for an easy basket. And we know the numbers, 17 turnovers, 26 points off turnovers, 13 live ball turnovers. Um if you allow Houston to do that, you're it. That's the thing is it doesn't matter that you won on the glass, right? Like it doesn't matter the things that they did well because they just didn't give themselves enough of a chance to win with being careless or at least not as alert as you need to be against that type of defense with the ball. Right. And you know, of course you saw in the cross town shootout, the first half was obviously very ugly and then they came out, with the purpose in the second half, they were able to kind of, you know, be the aggressor, be that one, the, the, the team going after it. I think a lot of the fans expected that to be the type of second half reaction that they had coming out of the locker rooms. But obviously I think it was a, it was what a crazy, pretty crazy run a 26 to, Oh no, no, sorry. A 13 to two run coming out of halftime for Houston. I, but a 26 to four advantage on points off turnovers off. Crazy part, Brent, they had, Four turnovers in the opening segment of the first half. Yeah. Five turnovers in the opening segment of the second half. Right. Nine of your 17 turnovers, over half of your turnovers, happened in those two critical, like, momentum 
building portions right. of the game. Yeah, and I mean that kind of you you guys weren't at the game, but that, that really sucked the air out of the crowd as well. Um, you know, it, it, it was a great showing the first half. You know, when when Landers went on his little you know personal mini run, the place was going bonkers, and it, and you could tell it was starting to get get into Kelvin a little bit. He had to call timeout, had to regroup with the team. But uh, then in the second half, that run happened, and, and the, the place just deflated. And I think a lot of people were, were then tracking the Bengals, making sure that was all in the bag, and this, that, and the other. It was a, uh, it was, it was a weird vibe after that, and the run kind of just really took a lot out of the uh, the wind out of the sails for Cincinnati. But Aaron, I want to bring up something that happened in the Wichita State game, was the, the movement of the starting lineup, taking Jeremiah Davenport out, which is you know, something that Wes doesn't really do. He he's usually picks a starting lineup and sticks with it throughout the entire year. So he did last year. That's that's what he did for the first 15 games this season. Uh, but then you saw it happen on at Wichita State where it was Odio Guam was starting in place of Jeremiah Davenport, and it worked against Wichita. Uh, and then Houston, it, it, it was a really, really tough shooting night for Jeremiah, even though he had some good looks in the first half. And then for Odie, it – was a tough, tough outing for Odie. First off, you you like the switch? I I think the switch is great, but when when games like that happen, I don't know. It's it, it's it's hard to look at the from here on out. Do do they keep going with that route or switch your whole viewpoint on all of that? I think you, you take it game to game. I don't think you necessarily have to have a starting five, especially when you, generally speaking, Jeremiah Davenport's coming in within the first five minutes anyway. Right. Um, so it's not that it really matters. It's just who's starting. Um, that said, I don't I mean, Odie had a horrendous game. There's no real way around it. He offensively was not there. Um, yeah. Kalu obviously has, he had, those were the most improved minutes he's had since very early in out of conference play. Yeah. Um, so there's certainly something to be said for that, but between Odie and Davenport and now Kalu, maybe you sprinkle in a little Hensley somewhere in there, but who are you really going to give the bulk of those minutes to if it's not right. Jeremiah Davenport? Because I don't feel good if you're giving a bulk of those minutes to either Odie or Kalu, and Hensley clearly hasn't done enough to even see the floor against Houston, even as one of the longer bodies on the team. Uh, so – I, I don't know what the answer is, but I don't know that that answer is necessarily on the roster at this time. Yeah. Uh, so instead, you have to go with what you have. And right now, that's unfortunately not been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole thing was uh, you remember back when Jeremiah Davenport, before he started starting, which was, you know, 52 straight games. So it's a little while back, but he was that offensive spark plug coming off the bench, you know, in the, in the beginning of, of the John Brandon era. And that was that was when he was really starting to blossom in front of people's eyes and taking a next step and, and being that leader on the team. But so I like him off the bench. And as you mentioned, you know, he comes in pretty quickly, but, but so did Odie in, in certain situations, you know, when, when Jeremiah would start, it would be Odie, the first player checking in the handful of games leading up to it. But for Oguama, it looked like someone told him maybe recently to like slow down a little bit and like take a second and just, you know, focus on, on slowing down and maybe he took that a little too literal in this one and, you know, got, you know, the, the fear of, of Houston might've struck him a little bit too, because those, those two near the basket, man, they were, uh, those were tough. 
Yeah, Chad, I, Chad, Chad called I it. Really, his... I, I really need a T-shirt. And I, I won't because it's mean, kind of. But I, that he was pump-faking ghosts. Whew. Well, you also used the, the phrase last night uh, that his controller died. <laughs> I, I still like pump-faking ghosts. Because you can have like a, a silhouette of a guy like pump faking and then like a Pac-Man ghost like at the at the rim. Several of them. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> like, have, have you guys seen the movie The Sixth Man? No. Yeah. Yeah. The the basketball movie with the Marlon Wayans. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. 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 yeah it's it's kind of like that. There was another player out there that was giving him little because it didn't look like the Houston defender was even going like, to try and contest the shot at first. For both of them and all of a sudden they were there for that second one but and you know what uh he had been dunking everything like kind of with without thinking leading up to this this past game uh whenever he got it in close and then i don't know he, he got the yips a little bit in this one Houston so, does it to you man they're yeah. so physical they beat you up like they're not trying to like block your shot they're trying right. to to hit you yeah which man those these have to be some of the harder games to uh to officiate because it is so physical i mean you can call a foul on every single play and i don't know just one of those tough tough games to to roll with uh but you know, as i mentioned cincinnati only a 13 point deficit uh and plenty of other teams have suffered much worse defeats to to the cougars who are now the number one team in the country and who will probably keep that number one ranking for quite a while the rest of the way in the regular season. So it's a really good team, man. And, and Drace Walker's starting to become an NBA player right in front of everyone's eyes as, as expected. It's a, it's a team that's coming together at the right time. And it's a Kelvin Sampson team. You can truly tell it, but uh, anything more on just the Houston aspect of thing. I know Chad and Aaron, you guys kind of really, really dove in pretty deep on that last night. We did. We did. I mean, I don't, okay. I mean, we did. We did an hour with Berg last night, so I don't have a whole lot left. Yeah, right. I don't have a whole lot new. I guess right. is the the, the point. Um, so then, that, I'm going to bring up something real quick. It, through 17 games this season, Cincinnati is 11 and six. Uh, their best win is against Tulane at home, and their worst loss is at NKU as the 229 Ken Palm team. Last year, at this time, do you guys remember at all where, what the record was looking at or, or what the outlook was through 17 games? It was it was no. pretty it's pretty positive. Similar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar but pretty positive. They were 12 and five. Uh, had wins against Ken Palm 20th Illinois on the neutral court, of course, and then 62 on Ken Palm SMU, with their worst loss being at home to Monmouth. Now, but if you remember the rest of the way, they, they won their next two games and then went three and nine the rest of the way. Right now on Ken Palm, Cincinnati this season is projected to win the next three. That's ECU at home Wednesday, at SMU on Saturday, and then at South Florida next week. And then after that, they're projected five and six after those three games the rest of the way. What is one thing? that you think or, or, or a handful of things are a major storyline that the team needs to do to avoid the inconsistencies and the up and downs and kind of the, the thing that took away any chances of, of having a good finish the last year and kind of making it, making a run for the positive this season, rather than having a, an up and down rest of the way, as you mentioned earlier, Ryan. I think they just got to, I think it's, 
basic fundamentals, taking care of the basketball, rebounding. They need to play consistently aggressive, like aggressive in their defense, aggressive in their offense, attacking the rim more. They're they're having trouble with the three. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's just maybe some guys that are supposed to be hot aren't being hot right now, and guy and they're just they're cold and they're pretty cold. So, you know, DDJ he was looking pretty well, looking pretty good to start off the year. You, you kind of haven't really seen that from him. I feel like Nolly has been a little bit underwhelming compared to the expectations that we had. <laughs> we need those guys to. We need them night in and night out to step up on offense because they're our most consistent and truly only real options right now. So yeah, I think that's kind of like my little synopsis of what they really need. Yeah, I agree. I, Aaron, anything? I'm currently expect, experiencing a little bit of audio issues over here, so I'm going to hang back. Chad, what are you thinking, man? Um, that, just consistency on the road is, is the main thing, you know, they, they, they have got to show that away from home, they can consistently be the team that, that we see at, uh, fifth third arena. Like, uh, it, <coughs> we, so we saw a little bit of success against Wichita state. That's a bad Wichita state team though. Um, we saw a little bit of success there, but we have to see more of the team that we're seeing at fifth third arena on the road. Mm-hmm. If they, if they can do that, this can be an 11, 12 win team in conference right. and, and a team that can be second or third, eh, two through four. Like, I think that's where, you know, the third or fourth is probably about right for this team. If they can, if they can meet expectations, um, but you're not going to be able to do that if you're bad most of the time away from home. Like right. it, you've got to be able to go play good teams and look, yes, Temple's record was seven and seven at the time. And I know people dumped on them, but that's a team with a good deal of talent mm-hmm. and they were outplayed. Like they, they straight up were outplayed by a, a te- like we talked about it at the time by a team with equal talent like that, that can't happen to where you just kind of you lose focus for that you know what nine minute stretch from the end of the first half uh, right into the start of the second half that kind of defined the game because that was really the game hung right around that margin it went from a seven point lead to an eight point deficit and it hung right around there for the most part the rest of the game right so you can't have these lapses away from home where you allow the other team and, and we're, and this is really where it hurts not having Newman and, and fantasy is giving up these 15, three, 18, 17, two, like right. these runs, you've got to not only be able to get some stops, but offensively, you've got to be able to get yourself off the mat yeah. and stop it. Teams are going to, teams are going to, you know, you're going to miss a couple shots. Teams are going to make a couple shots. There's going to be, 5-0, 6-0, 8-0 runs right. scattered in throughout games. But you got to be able to, to clamp down on the road and not only get stops, but also put the ball in the damn ba- basket so the thing doesn't extend to, uh, you know, you're looking at 10, 12, 13 possessions where you're scoring one basket and right. they're scoring seven, eight. They're getting to the free throw line like – 
so that that's the biggest thing for me is that's where the focus is going to be. We know what they can do at fifth third. We know that they can combat any of those little like, you know, waves, those ups and downs. Right. Um, if you can't do it on the road, you're not going to get to 11, 12 conference wins. Right. Because you've got nine road games. And if you go three and six on the road, you're going to, you know, you already lost to Houston at home. There's mm-hmm. going to be a couple other teams that come in here with equal talent. Like you've played the one team that's superior talent. Right. There are going to be three, four other UCF, uh, Temple, Memphis, yeah. Memphis, uh, Tulane, four, four teams that, well, Tulane was already here. But um, you know, three or four teams that are going to come into fifth third with a chance to beat you. Yeah. So you have to be five wins, six wins on the road if you're going to have any chance to have the type of conference record that that you want to have. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I we we talked about Landers Nolly a little bit and Chad, you've mentioned the uh, now infamous AAU tournament where he went off and and absorbed a bunch of offers following that uh, that performance do you think that speaks to kind of his his game if you will where he can at at certain moments take over games but the stretch of of you know because i the the 12 point flurry in the in, in the first half and then you never attempt a three-pointer the rest of the way i even if it's somewhat forced shot just you're you're feeling a hot hand try and just get something going like you did in the first half. I, I don't know. I just, something tells me it wasn't, you know, it was the, that spurt happened and then the killer mentality kind of just died down. Do you think that's, that's something that's happened with Landers or, or where he tries to get everyone else involved instead of being a little bit more selfish when he should be? So I think like, I would have loved to have had Landers in the post game to hear from him because I heard from Vic, some of the things he said, I thought, were what Landers was trying to do after he got hot. And then Houston kind of shifted their defensive focus to limiting him. And he's, you know, Vic said in the beginning of the game, like, what do you expect when you go into a game against Houston? If you're a big man, they're going to hard double. Mm -hmm. They're going to hide. They're going to hedge. They're going to, they're going to do everything to kind of get the big man. If you've got a good big man, like out of his comfort zone. Right. And Vic, I think, said, he, you know, he basically said, I went into the game trying to, like, like be in the flow and do the right thing for my teammates. There is a balance. Like, there is a balance. We saw Vic in the second half decide, I need to go. Like, I need to, to do what I can to provide a boost for my team. At some point, like, Landers didn't score for the final 27, 28 yeah. minutes of that game. Right. At some point, you got to say, and yet, like Wes said, they ran some actions and used to did a good job taking him away. They did miss him on two or three uh, transition opportunities where he was wide open. Um, you know that maybe that would have would have sparked him again. But I do think he has to stop being content, like being part of the flow and and knowing. Right. Okay, give me the ball. Like, it's time for me to play a little bit nice. So, but then you have to be careful with that because what have we talked about all year? Where you don't want to is that when they start playing ISO, that it kills all the flow and the momentum of the offense. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's it's a bit of a double edged sword. 
Yeah. Because you're asking him to do something that we've acknowledged, like, like stalls out the team and can be a detriment. Um, so that's rough. It, it's, it's, there's a balance there with him that he still has to find to where he doesn't just fade into the background. Right. Especially on a night when Dave and JD can't throw it in the ocean. Shoot. Right. Right. Yeah, I, Dave, something was off with Dave yesterday. And, I, and obviously that's a, you know, you're playing the way that, that Houston plays. I, I'm sure it gets really under, under people's skin and makes things difficult and takes away certain things you want to do. Uh, but yeah, he he had a couple plays where it was very undave like, if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I, Landers is shooting forty four percent from three on the year. I I mean that's that's a guy who should be hoisting up more. You know, I like forty four percent to me just well. But ask yourself this: Is he shooting forty four percent from three because he's taking wide good threes? Yeah, right, almost always. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like forty four percent shouts to me. With, with with ninety some attempts, shouts to me, someone that's that's picking and choosing when to when to shoot instead of being like, all right, I'm gonna be uber aggressive and and try and knock down some extra ones. But either way, um, oh, anytime touchdown score, Max Duggan check. But anyway, it's uh, it's something where you want to see just just the team just be ultra aggressive at all times. And I don't know if that's something that was maybe taken out of the flow because. The pick and roll game against Houston was was something that Houston was instantly just you try and pass it and they've got someone like you said coming in like a cornerback and intercepting the ball and either they're going the other way or they're turning the ball over. So, but the good thing is you're not going to face many other teams that are number one in the country and uh, number one in the Ken Palm. And I, I compared the last two seasons and this, this year you look at the losses outside of of course Temple and uh, NKU. I mean they're their losses are to four teams that are in the in the Ken Palm top eighteen, which is a pretty pretty out, pretty outstanding jobs. You know, sticking with those teams for the most part, a couple of them, and uh, having the opportunity to beat a couple of them as well. But I don't know. For the most part, it, it's no big wins, but the rest of the way, you have a chance to to string together some things if you keep the consistency up. Uh, anything more on basketball, guys? I know we got ECU on Wednesday. Kind of just uh Ongoing thing. Good, good, good. Good. I mean, you you got to beat ECU at home, right? Yeah. Period. Like, <clears throat> there's not much else to say. <laughs> no. Other than you have to, you you cannot lose to ECU at home. There's gonna be some problems tip. if that happens. Right. Nine p.m. tip yet again. Uh, projected ten point favorite in that one. They've got a they've got the leading rebounder in the conference. Brandon Johnson bringing down 9.1 rebounds per game. Uh, really good offensive rebounder. I they're they're top they're 35th in offensive rebounding percentage. So that those rebounding numbers against Houston need to carry over in this one. But uh, but yeah, I I think we can stamp the uh, the basketball talk side of things. Quick Paper Supply, your local and family owned restaurant supply company for all your non food products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries. Providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. 
I saw you put a little uh, little extra emphasis on the echo there. I have to do that to remind myself not to say echo <laughs> because I'm not smart. Stupid. Yeah, yeah. You're not stupid. That. Don't say that. I think you're a really smart guy, man. Really smart. Um, speaking of smart. I concur. Oh, there you go. There he is. Speaking <laughs> of smart, though, uh, smart was having an expected big audience, expected ruckus crowd uh, at Fifth Third Arena, and then bringing in three big-time recruits to take in the action on top three. of that. Well, Four or five? Was, were they there? I, someone was saying that, that Jace might not have made it or they hadn't yeah. seen him yet or something like that, but I know for sure I saw the, the Indiana Elite guys. Um, Flory Badunga, Travis Perry, Riley Burgess, uh, three guys that we've talked about quite a lot on this here podcast and on, on the BCJ overall. Chad, Ryan, Aaron, I know that it was mentioned before, why bring them to a loss or why, you know, why bring them to a game where the team's not projected to win? I, I, I think yesterday was kind of a, a, a perfect portrait to show, hey, we're, we're right here. We're, we're a Florida Bedunga away from really competing against these top dogs. Uh, your thoughts on just having a big presence there recruit-wise and, of course, just any updates on the uh, recruitment of said players that were in attendance? Chad, obviously you're the guy. I, 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 I don't know about their recruitments right now. I've, I've been staring at the walls of a hospital. Thoughts on the thoughts on their presence there? Well, it, it's I important to have them to get them to campus, especially when you can get three guys that play together on the same AAU team that have spent an entire spring and summer uh, out on the road together. I think there was there was one of the people on the board said there was. They were sitting next close to them and and Burgess was teaching Flory down the drive and like just little stuff like that, like to have teammates together, to have guys together that know each other and start to, you know, potentially envision like, hey, we could we could play together here. We could play the number one team in the country on this court like we could do some big things together. I think that's especially a, a place that you have an in with like they do Indiana elite. Like that's uh it was an important, important time to have those guys visit. And like, you don't, you don't like that. I want to say this without like scolding people. You don't ever think we can't bring these kids to this game. Cause we're going to get our ass kicked. That's not one kids generally don't care like win or lose. They want to see the atmosphere. They want to see how the players are treated. They want to see how the team interacts with each other. <clears throat> They're looking for things like that. They're not looking for, uh, oh, they lost by 20. If they were doing that, UC never would have landed Yancey Gates or Cashman Wright or Deion Dixon or you know any of those guys that had to come to, to, to town and watch Mick Cronin's first two teams right. get their – brains beat in in the big east like that's not how it works that's not how recruiting works a kid is never going to be like oh i went and they had a bad game so i'm not going there like right. especially a high level recruit they think if i was here we would have won that game that's how high level recruits think now you have to show the kid that there's talent on the roster for them to play with right because kids have gotten smarter and there still are some but very few kids in these days are like 
uh, I want to go somewhere where I'm like the man. Yeah. And I think I remember it once in this 2023 cycle with uh, Paige Stojakovic's kid. Yeah. Like he had a chance to go to UCLA and play with really, really talented players. And instead he went to Stanford where like his reasoning was, I'm going to go there and there's nobody on their roster now that's better than me. So I'm going to go there and be option 1A straight from jump, straight from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So um, great, great environment to have the kids there. Uh, from everything, it sounds like Fifth Third was was a really good atmosphere. You know, probably outside of it, that little eight-minute stretch to start the second half where yeah. Houston pulled away. I'm sure the energy kind of sucked out a little bit. But then as they came back, it seemed like things built back up a little bit. Yeah, built back up towards the end of the game. So, um, yeah. Ooh, how do you let a guy just run unguarded? 30 Thirty-seven yards, yards. Thirty-seven yards down the field. Well, we need twelve and a half. So let's keep on cheering on the Bulldogs. Um, so yeah, it, with with my point of view on it is uh, the fact that is you know these are guys also where you saw pregame where the uh, the the atmosphere pregame is, is kind of something that really draws my eye because, you know, there's, there's nothing better than kind of just feeling that the, you know, the feelings of game day and the feelings of, you know, the crowd slowly starting to trickle in and, and, and the excitement building. It's like a nip at night, you know, the leading up to the opening kickoff of a nip at night, just the, the vibes in the, in, in Nippert is, is something that rivals even the big plays throughout the game as well. So, uh, you know, pregame, they were all sitting courtside, you know, uh, the the embraces between the coaching staff and and the recruits are you know you can tell that these are some some relationships that have been built with these guys and and can tell that you know this is it, it's not like they were just invited to a game and they're just sitting there but uh but yeah i mean it, obviously the connections are really really there with indiana elite uh and and with you know flory Badunga in in particular so it's a uh it's it's going to be an intriguing thing to watch as Recruiting continues because if there's anything that you can say, even with the way that they have performed on the field, I mean, on the court is the fact that Wes wants to win and Wes is going to go out there and battle in recruiting. And when you have so many connections that uh, this, this staff has had and, and the way to build the, the connections as well, it, uh, it looks, looks like nothing but gravy to me. So um, another thing, as you mentioned though, Chad, like being the guy on a team, I think that's, that's why the transfer portal also kind of, is really interesting to watch these this day and age because instead of being a guy who sits on Kentucky's bench for two years and then you get to play, you can transfer to Providence and become a you know a potential Big East Player of the Year, or you can transfer you know and, and fill holes here and there. So uh, it, it, it's kind of a mix of yeah, it. but I I think like the the EYBL like that level changed things. Because what kids learn in the EYBL is if you're on one of those teams that has like one guy or two guys, you pretty much get your ass kicked every weekend playing against teams that have four, four and five star guys, five, five and four star guys. So like the, the mentality has changed in terms of like understanding what it means to be on teams that have big time players. Right. Like Ryan, you guys were great. Why? Because you had a bunch of dudes all over the damn field on both sides of the ball. Yeah. 
kind of makes sense. Different, but like, yeah, it's simple. If you have a lot of good players, you're going to win a lot of games. You're going to win not- a lot more games than the teams with not a lot of good players. Yes, right. yes. Which, I mean, you saw how good those players are with the first seasons in the NFL for a lot of them. So, uh, wow, right. It's incredible, but uh, yeah. So I just just something that really interested me because you know it, it's in today's day and age in, in college basketball, you're not going to have complete classes just all of freshmen. You know, it's going to be right locating one or two or three that you really love, and then plugging holes through the portal because that's that's what's going to be available early and often. So uh, I'll I'll be interested to see other you know visitors that come for games later on in the schedule but for now it was a uh, it was a good list there it looks well, like it's tough in february time. because high school playoffs and stuff start right. a right. lot sooner so sneaking guys in for those february games is a lot more difficult right but as you mentioned flory 32 consecutive made field goals tied a state record and then of course travis perry look at that royer yeah 32 consecutive makes he made 32 straight shots over Who? the course of like Flory Badunga. Holy shit. <laughs> 32 That's... consecutive main Was he like 15, 15, 17 for 17 type? It was over a couple games, but yeah. Yeah. Now Kokomo's That's... not not gonna play the uh the greatest teams in the world, but still that is incredibly impressive. Incredibly impressive. And uh look, yeah. it is hard to do that in an empty gym. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like with with nobody there, yeah. it is hard to do that in an empty gym. There's no doubt. Tell, Doesn't feel tell, like it's making as much of a impact. Okay, here's here's a good question. The four of us, the four of us guys, who would be able to make 32 straight layups? Do, I, do we feel confident in, no. in putting oh, putting I a could, heavy heavy wager against? <laughs> I'd probably sprain an ankle. <laughs> What are we doing? Like the the mic? What is it? Mike and drill? That one? Yeah. Just like, <laughs> no, because you're gonna miss a lefty at some point. Yeah, yeah, I know. And and then you're gonna get to like 28, and then the nerves kick in a little bit. So and the, the legs are gonna be a little worn out after tw- like. Yeah. What is it like from the elbow down, or are we talking just like we're block? We're we're just talking. You're on the block. Straight just... shots. You got to make 32 straight. Okay. I I could do that. Yeah. The. Those those whole scenarios, it's like make thirty two straight <laughs> shots, or you go to jail. Are are you taking the gamble to win a million dollars? Yeah, <laughs> but no, we'll see. I yeah. couldn't I've, get to ten. I've, I've heard a lot worse ten. of scenarios, Brent, but we're just gonna. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the lunchroom in high school, you, you hear some horrible things. Oh, yeah. in those scenarios, <laughs> one of my friend group's favorite things still to this day is is a would you rather. Like, oh, yeah. All right, Brent. Time for a would you rather? And man, they get they get they get pretty rough. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's basketball recruiting. And, and also, Travis Perry though he was at dropped forty five the other day, and ten three pointers. I mean, these you are can put the biscuit in the basket. Yeah, I don't know how involved Kentucky is there. I, obviously, they offered, but Kentucky's <laughs> Kentucky at this point. So we'll see. Um, oh no, no, fake John Goble. You don't. There's going to be somebody in the gym. They're just not guarding you. Yeah, true. that's what the empty gym comment means. Not you that got, the gym is actually empty. It's just that nobody's guarding you. You've got a rebounder there. How about that? Yeah, 
rebounder ready to collect the one miss. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and timestamp that little little fastball recruiting. Hopefully, man. I, you, you know the Flory Badunga thing's interesting because all those talks about him taking business elsewhere, and now he's he's back taking one at Cincy. So we'll see. Fun to fun to track. Just stay the course. Stay yeah. on target. Stay on target. A little, little Star Wars action there for you. Locked it. <laughs> Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Like to-go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins. They've been open since 2009. One of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Bada bing, bada boom. Let's move into football. The uh, as we mentioned, that SoFi Stadium, which is a place I'd I'd love to go to. Um, I've driven from, past it. It looks nice. Yeah, yeah. From from all accounts, everyone's like it's the most incredible stadium I've ever seen. But uh, yeah, it's a nice little what seventeen seven lead for the Bulldogs. We'll see what goes on there. But the Bearcats, man, Coach Satterfield. Putting together a staff, as you guys mentioned on the BCJ pod last week, Chad, the on-the-field staff is kind of, was kind of assembled and, and uh, announced or at least hinted at to the point where you guys could announce it and talk about it on that pod. Officially today, they did talk about Manning getting the uh, – Tom Manning getting the offensive coordinator spot. Uh, we talked about that a little bit off camera, but Ryan and, and Aaron – I Aaron, I – I don't think I've heard from you about Tom Manning as well, but uh, obviously good to get him formally announced. He uh, spent a season as the tight ends coach for the Indianapolis Colts, and by all accounts, he the, the Colts organization did not want him to go back to college football, and when that's the case, you've got a, a pretty special talent and a pretty special coach right there. So, uh, Aaron, your your thoughts as it, they, they finally were able to announce Tom Manning as offensive coordinator. Well, he the the point that I brought up on the nightcap uh, that I think is probably the most important point of this hire, at least in my eyes, is the fact that he has familiarity with the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, having been at Iowa State, uh, he's seen this conference. He has knowledge on what this conference ten tendencies are. He he's right. seen like you know what what certain teams, what certain coaching staffs do in certain situations and especially in split second decisions on the field, that type of knowledge. And again, especially because you're not the one calling the plays. If all goes according to the way Scott Satterfield has run things in the past, he's the one calling the plays. So if you got a guy who is your OC, who's looking for those tendencies and has that familiarity with the conference, and that's what he can focus on. I think that's an outstanding thing to have at the helm of your offense. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Ryan, is there a kind of a, different vibe when a coach comes from the NFL or has any ties to the NFL at all where, where certain players or, you know, groups might be like, okay, uh, take a little bit more credence to what this coach is saying. Uh, My only experience, excuse me, um, Greg Scruggs came from the NFL, but it wasn't coaching. It was like player personnel, but he was just so polished, so well-spoken, so smart knew just knew how to relate to the guys super well and i and i'm guessing he that's why he was in player 
player personnel, but then you saw what happened when he went to coaching, how well he did coaching. Now he's in the NFL coaching. Um, so I'm guessing you're going to see a guy who's super polished, super intelligent, very good communicator, because that's how you get up to that level. You need to be able to interpret the game at an insane knowledge and be able to push it back down to your players. And you've seen uh, what he's done with he's developed um, tight ends really well in Indy. And you guys were talking about earlier, earlier, how well he developed the Ohio, Iowa state, excuse me. We don't talk about OSU, um, the Iowa state offense. And I think it's a steal. I mean, when I looked at this, I was like, wait, how is this guy? Like how, how did we, how one, how did he, right. why did, would he leave Iowa state or why did they make him leave? And like, how did we just kind of like land with this guy? I, right. Not that, not that we're not like deserving of it, but it's kind of like a new coaching staff gets hired and, and things are kind of like, kind of like in disarray, so to say around UC football. Um, to get a guy like that is huge. I think it's huge for us going to the Big 12 guys, coaching that conference, knows what it takes. So I'm super excited about that, that hire. Yeah. And, you know, even the recruiting aspect of it as well, where, you know, it, a lot of people mentioned how Iowa State is doing such a good job recruiting in the state of Ohio. Well, I'm sure Manning obviously has those ties in the Ohio area. Satterfield mentioned that in his little, uh, you know, an interview about Manning uh, that was uh, posted today on BillBearCats.com. So, uh, yeah, by by all accounts, as Chad, you and you and Dave spoke about on the BCJ pod, it's a, it's a good hire. It's a really good hire. And you know, Scott Satterfield has called plays. I I believe his entire career, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm I'm not sure how that side of it will go. But another thing that is to like about Tom Manning is the fact that he's coached every position group. I believe on on the offensive side of the ball, he was like the, the offensive line coach of the year one season by Football Scoop. He was, you know, obviously a, a Royals Award winner and finalist, if you will. So, I mean, it's a guy that knows what he's doing, and you know, has has that one year in the NFL where everyone loved him, uh, players loved him, front office loved him, and it's just it's turning into what seems a lot more like a like a franchise ran organization rather than like a coach and a staff put together. Um, anything else on Manning, Chad? Or Yeah, I think Ryan Satterfield said this today, and I didn't realize it. He was the quarterback coach at Toledo in 2009. Mm-hmm. And I think Manning was like a GA or like a like just getting started yeah. in his coaching journey at that time. So that was the connection. Like that's how they knew each other. Um and then it, it's been talked about on the boards a lot. Like 2019 and 2020, they had the two best, two of the three best offenses in Iowa State history. And then 2021 was okay. And then 2022, Brock Purdy was gone. Uh, Brees Hall was gone. Uh, they they just they kind of had a year similar to what you see experienced this year. And they had to step back, and they were bad, obviously, record-wise. And you know how it works these days, man. What have you done for me lately? Matt Campbell was basically kind of, you know, you, you got to make some decisions, make a, a change, you know, make some moves on your staff. And it was it was Manning that kind of got offered up at the uh, altar. And that's how you find yourself on the market and looking for a place to go. And 
We'll take you know, kickstart the career. <laughs> Something tells me someone else would have welcomed him with open arms. No yeah, I mean, that's kind it. of the thing, the way that this stuff works, man. Yeah. I mean, look at how much, how many times Saban's done stuff like this. Right. Where, right. you know, you bring a guy in that's kind of fallen off or had something bad happen. And next thing you know, he's, he's at your place. And now he's the, instead of the, the turd, now he's the polished diamond again. Yeah. And off he goes. Yeah. I heard Cliff Kingsbury is already interviewing for the uh, OC job there in Alabama. So <laughs> something, something to watch out for. Um, but yeah, it's obviously a good hire. I think, you know, as Aaron mentioned, really good job, Aaron, by the way, with the pet, with the uh, big 12, link there i mean that's going to be invaluable heading into the first season could probably potentially help you uh win a couple of games and and you know have that little added edge so really good job make you more prepared right right exactly um and and of course that tight end room too he's going to come in take that over and it's it's been a big positive for the team and uh you know with with someone of his pedigree he's only going to keep that room rolling so uh gonna be fun to fun to see his addition as well um, quickly, I want to, I want to pass it over to you though, Ryan, you mentioned, uh, you, you've heard a little bit about the new, uh, strength coach, Nico Palazzetti, other than the, uh, Italian connection you might have with, uh, with, with, <laughs> Nico, with Mr. Nico, what, uh, what else have you been able to hear just kind of about where he's come from and, and kind of what he'll bring to the Bearcats? So he's really close with, uh, Danny Felino and Zach Higgins. So I hit them up right when I heard the news. I was like, tell me about this guy. Like, what's his deal? And immediately just raving, just saying how he's one of the best. Like he was in Danny's wedding. Um, he worked with his work, he worked with Higgs at uh OSU, and they both said just a great, great guy, super smart, super um, super good with his players. And I think those are like the two of the biggest things you need with your strength coach. You need a guy who knows the room, who knows how to push you to your limits, but he also can relate to what you're going through and know how to help you and not just try to beat you down to the ground, but someone who can build you back up and make you a better man and someone who knows the true like um, science of what goes into how to develop athletes at the Division One level, what type of workouts, type of recovery, and they were raving about this guy. So – I'm super excited about that. The guys said they met him. They said they really like him. And, you know, when, when they're kind of nervous for the first, when you're kind of nervous for the first workout with the guy, that's good. Cause you know, yeah. you don't want someone who's um, going to be easy on you. You want someone who kind of scares you a little bit. And that's something I always loved about Brady is cause he was just a crazy uh, <laughs> MFer, yeah. and you, you never knew what to expect. And, and that's, that's good. So I'm, I'm super excited. He's in the tree. Like he's in the tree of guys that I know from people I've had uh, trained me. So I'm, I think it's going to be great. I mean, between him and Manning um, really, I'm, it's got me in a really positive outlook now um, with this new, this new uh, program heading forward. So making me proud. Now we got to get some results. So. Are you saying that they put Danny and, and, and Higgins and all them through a little workout, or, or are you talking about the players themselves? That because that'd be oh, fun the to team, put the oh, no. field support staff through a little workout. And so play. I think their first day was today, but they met the players met with them, and I was getting a little rundown from them on that meeting. Okay, let's hear it then. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, we'll strike a fear in their eyes, huh? Yeah. Brian, did you know that uh, he's followed Brady everywhere Brady has been? Oh, really? Yeah, I saw something like that, like how he's filled Brady's role. The last three uh, jobs Brady has yeah. had. He, he followed him. <laughs> he replaced him at Mississippi State. Then he replaced him at Ohio, Ohio State. And now he's replacing him at Cincinnati. It's it's a good tree. It's like the it's the Marathi tree, man. And everything is like connected to Marathi. And he's one of the best. And uh, Brady does a great job. Higgins and I, I love Higgins and Felino. I, I respect them and I respect their opinion uh, more than anyone. So hearing them talk about him, I know we're we're in great hands. Big shoes to fill though. Brady Collins did an amazing job. So yeah. But I, I, I'm I'm believing in this guy. I mean, big shoes for Nico to fill Brady's spot on the BVP as well. I mean, so we'll to... <laughs> I feel like he'll be into it though. That's okay. the kind of that's the kind of um, vibe I've been getting from the other guys that he's all in for being a, a guy who likes to have fun. And if anything's if he's anything like Higgins and Felino, then there we go. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep the two of you off of any subject involving Italian food because I don't know how any of us would ever get a word in. <laughs> yeah, I'm also proud. I, I felt my ancestors uh, cheering inside when I. When I saw the, the what, what's your favorite Italian dish, Royer? Uh, mine's my favorite's my grandma's chicken parmesan, and she makes with the uh, fettuccine alfredo, Ooh. homemade pasta, homemade sauce, of course. So, chicken I, parmesan I, with fettuccine alfredo. You're talking my language right there, baby. It's an American Italian. It's not the authentic. It's it's you know the Americanized. That's how my that's all what I grew up on. I didn't grow up on, that's on two, the authentic. That's two thirds of the taste of Italy from Olive Garden. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I I won't eat, don't even get me started on Olive. Garden. You're just missing lasagna, and you have the taste of Italy though. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I think I'm developing a new favorite Italian dish, pasta dish. And the problem is you can't really get it anywhere. What is it? I'm a big carbonara guy. Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. a great carbonara one. Carbonara is really good. I like carbonara that. is awesome, but it's just not done at many places. A good carbonara. You got to go to those authentic Italian places. I think I, carbonara I, for it. I think I went to v, Via Vite down at Fountain Square. Has uh -huh. one. It's pretty okay. pretty good. I like that one there. Um, I went to one more place here. I'm trying to think of what it's called. A uh, Pep Pep has one. It's kind of. It's, a, it's, it's I, not I think it's real carbonara. I don't think. Yeah, I think it's the Greek. Uh, I forget. Uh, let me look at it. It's some with a G. I mean, Grecia, something like that. Yeah. It was pretty. It's like the their version of it. I like Pep. Pep does a good job. It's all handmade. I like Pep a lot. I like Pep yeah. a lot. Like we've eaten there we multiple do. times. It's really good. The meatballs just, are great. I like the meatballs. When we were out in LA, we got this so good too. When we were out in LA, we were kind of walking around um, Santa Monica. Uh, and just stopped at this little like hole in the wall Italian place, and I've liked carbonara before, but this was like I got a real like with the guanciale, mm -hmm. like the authentic carbonara, and I was like, this might be my jam. Yeah, but it's just so one, it's almost impossible to make at home unless you oh, like, no, really you know could, what you're doing. Well, you because the it. eggs, like the problem is you you, you don't want to scramble the eggs. Oh yeah, I know you got to get the. The yolk you gotta get out that too. right. You got to get yeah. the yolk out. You got to get the right. No, you got to get the whites out. It's just the yolk. 
Yeah. And then yeah. when you incorporate the yolk, you got to make sure you don't scramble them instead of yeah. making that like luscious mm -hmm. carbonara sauce. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of carbonara. Yeah. BRB. I'm still looking for some more Italian spots here in the city. Um, I don't know if you guys know of any. I'm sure Chad might, but he just bounced. Come, but. come back to Indy. I'll uh, I'll take you to a couple. We'll take you All to right. And and that's the BBP talking Nico Palazzetti. There we go. <laughs> uh, there you go. That's a new strength coach. He's got his, his staff coming with him as well. So uh, we'll see how that continues to build. But uh, also today, the uh, recruiting staff was uh, announced that – you know, it was, it's already been talked about uh, for the most part. Zach Grant, obviously general manager. Jack Griffith, director of player personnel. Cass Simmons, director of recruiting strategy. Carter Wilson, director of scouting. Ashley Hesimovich, sorry, uh, director of on-campus recruiting. She is being held over from this past season. And, uh, of course, uh, Caroline Tart, director of recruiting. I think that might be the, the, the only name that was kind of introduced – today um fresh as a uh, as a new name and then Cass Simmons tweeted as well that there are a few that not that are not listed that will be joining as well to uh to continue and further push forward and building the Bearcats up uh, to me this it, it just feels a lot like it's kind of a little bit different of like a uh, feel around the program whether it be a kind of more Satterfield is the guy at the top, but then he's got different sections that are kind of controlling this and that and the other. With with Luke, it's, it felt like everything was kind of, you know, I mean, everything's connected with Satterfield as well, but with Luke, it did feel like it was kind of a little bit more uh, like a coaching, like a football, like, a you know, we're going to go out and be gritty and, and, and be the, you know, beat the guy across from us and, and just win, win these battles football-like. This this side with Satterfield, it seems a lot more business like. If if you guys get what I'm saying at all, and uh, it's it's kind of got that feel to it with all these different recruiting staff additions. Um, is this something that you guys like to see? Because it seems as if it's it's kind of a all these collective minds coming together and making decisions together, rather than just kind of you know going the football approach, if you will. Uh, I, I loved the football approach, but I think you saw how it kind of reached its end with why Coach Fickle kind of left and everything. I think you have to have a balance and maybe not a balance, but kind of like two sides to it where you have your Coach Fickle side. Then you have that separate team that's assembled kind of like what Satterfield's doing um, where they can take control of NIL recruiting because it's hard to stay on top of both of those things, especially how much coach fickle and those guys, you know, they, they were obsessed. Like that's why they were so good. They're obsessed with football. They're obsessed with film right. constantly getting better. That's why we were able to succeed. So, and I love that approach, but I think you're kind of seeing how just much the game is changing and how the landscape of college football is just absolutely insane now. I'm not the biggest fan to, fan of some of it. You know, I think it's going to – I think a lot of what makes this uh, game great at this level is going to get kind of thrown to the side for money and power. But, you know, you got to play the game to win. It's kind of the sad part of a lot of things in this world. So, I think, you know, I think Satterfield's doing what's worked for him, and I think he's doing what's going to help us in the short term. So, I, 
I'm, I'm a fan of it now because I don't want us to get shit pumped in the in the Big 12 because that's right. if I think it's the perfect solution for quick quick help. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a fan of it right now. We'll see if it can last. I, I'm I'm a I'm a believer in uh, what Coach Vic used to how Coach Vic's style. I think that's what what will hold strong in the end and help you win games. But I like them. I think they need to do a good job of mixing both of them in. I think the more hands you have on deck, the more you can establish the relationships with the players and try and be somebody who can potentially keep guys around. Um, I also think that they're they Cincinnati is being a bit more uh, proactive as opposed to reactive, and I yeah. think that that's I don't especially going into a conference where with the coaching change and all of that, I think that we're maybe a little behind the eight ball of everybody else that's already in the big 12. Um, so this potentially gets you there quicker. Um, but I don't know. It, it also offers the potential to do some like money ball type shit, right? Where, you know, you got all these guys who are into the analytics and you got enough hands on deck where you can do some different types of things where, you know, you know, damn well that all these five people are not just going to be, or, or if they even make more additions on staff, plus the additions of the coaches who are doing their recruiting on the trail and all of that, mm-hmm. they're not just all going to be sitting, making calls and emailing and you know, just standard communication. Like they're all, they're still going to be doing some different things. So I don't know. There, there's something to be said for that. Plus the opportunity to potentially even find some diamonds in the rough now, because you have so many more hands on deck than just Pat and Max. There, there was also an important, um, and we'll see if this plays out over the, the coming weeks. I think this part is going to take a little bit more time. But there was an important change from the NCAA uh, that, that happened over the past couple of days. That's, that's I don't know when exactly it, it takes effect. But now your off-field staff, your quality control, your, you know, your, your guys that were considered support staff, are now going to be allowed to coach practice. Hmm. So if you bring in somebody on quality control that in the past, technically, and we all know nobody paid attention to this, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but your quality control guys are now going to be on the practice field. They're not allowed to coach during game day, but camp, spring ball. Like, are they so making those, you can, what? Are, are they making those same allowances for basketball also? Uh, there were it's it, they're two different governing bodies that deal with okay. that. It's been in the works in basketball for a while as well. Okay. Um, but now you're going to get to a point in football where your support staff are going to be allowed to be on the practice field. So that essentially allows you to have as big a staff as you want. Yeah. In terms of like what you're able to do at practice. Um, and, and Ryan can tell you like the more eyes you get, the more, as long as there's a clear power structure of like these two guys work for this guy and this guy works for that guy, yeah. getting as many eyes on what you're trying to do and having guys out teaching different techniques or different philosophies uh, in conjunction with what the main position coach or coordinator or whatever, like that's a pretty big deal um, in terms of being able to allocate this, this money that they have for staff and being able to expand the scope of what you do uh, with your entire department, as opposed to we have a head coach, we have 
10 assistants. We have three people that work in recruiting. We have the strength coach and his four assistants. Now it can kind of, we're getting to the point. It can kind of be whatever you want to pay for. You can have, and that's a good thing. It's good, but it kind of, I get nervous with the, the big ass programs. They're just going to keep the gap. Seems like it's going to widen, you know, it, we, as much money as we have, we're not going to have the blue blood money. We're not going to have Bama money. We're not going to have AM money. We're not going to have OSU money to kind of like narrow the gap. So to say sometimes when you're able to do without, you know, kind of sometimes when you open up all the nets like this, you're just going to have the a monopoly form. And I don't want to see that happen. And uh, that's what kind of help. It, it's, it's what, what help you put us. into it, though. It's what you want to yeah. invest into it. Do you think we have the investment power that, that can keep you're us alive? You're going to have a lot more money coming in starting yeah. in two years than you've ever had before. True. We'll see. I just get nervous sometimes. And Look, there there were people that thought there was no way you could see could pay $6 million for a coach. And Luke Fickle was making five and a half, six million million, $6 million. Like, it, it, those things are always subjective to what you're willing. How how important is winning? Mm-hmm. Because if it's important, you figure out a way. Yeah. It kind of sucks because it feels like we did a lot of things to try to help Coach Fickle here. And he kind of said – F y'all <laughs> took a took a handful of people with him too, didn't he? He did. More than a handful of people with him. Yes, players and, and still growing. There's, I was gonna say they're still there. going. <laughs> it never ends. Players, recruits, parents. You know, it's not leaving. Ryan Royer. Ryan Royer's not leaving. Not I'm leaving. Never fucking leaving. Never fucking leaving. Uh, yeah. I, you know, Chad, do you kind of get that managerial feel with Satterfield that, that we were talking about? I don't about know yet. Like, I, I haven't seen a practice. I need to see, yeah. like, what's he like at practice? Like, yeah. I think in terms of um, being the head of an organization, which is what he is, I think he is showing that he is willing to build an, an, an incredible staff or willing to, you know, to, to put together right. what he feels is uh, a great staff. Uh, I think that's a good sign, but you never know until you you actually get out on the practice field and yeah. what is he involved with? How hands on is he? Uh, where does he pull back and let his assistants do their thing? Where does he where does he push the gas and like you know this is that you, that's what, kind of what you learn like okay what's his yeah. thing like for Luke Fickle he and I think Ryan will attest to this. I think the hardest he ever coached at practice on a daily basis was punting. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah. No. He was right there in the middle of punt team. And like he bounced around a lot. And he was with the defense the more D-line than he was with the offense. You yeah. know he wanted he wanted to jump in and coach the defense during yeah. team periods, but he was like, I can't do that. I can't. I, he kind of wanted to play Mr. Neutral, even though he had no idea what the hell was going on on offense. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to act like he knew. He was like, why aren't we running more inside zone? <laughs> it's like like he just saw the terms in a, like a notebook. Like, uh, inside, yeah. in, in, yeah. where's the inside zone? Inside, outside just get get it between the tackles. Hey. Mike, Mike Warren, we still have him. But hey. but am I wrong? Like I, I think I got. 
He's over here. Hey, Pierce, how's that route tree going? <laughs> <laughs> Little Mike Warren. I got to get that yeah. one up. There you like go. that with, with Dez in the background? Yeah, that's sick. That's pretty sick, isn't it? Uh -huh, Let's see if I we like can find it. Royer in there. <laughs> search the shine, search the sideline, man. Jumping up and down. Which game is that? Is that USF? I can't tell because there's there's no hold it back no up. No opponents. It's got to be. I I just saw Mike or uh, uh, Wall. Mike or Two Mike Lane. Wall in there. Would that be Tulane? So this has got to be nineteen. I think. It might be Tulane. That might be the Eight, game where maybe I, eighteen, maybe eighteen. It might be that because I remember he had a long ass run versus Tulane, but no, that was going into the student section. That looks like it's going into the. the no, it's going into the no. The notches are right there, so that's going into the Bearcat layer. Yeah, that's going into the locker room. Yeah. Huh. Tell Aaron yeah. what. No, I said they're going straight into your seats. Oh, yeah. My seats, yeah. Where I I, there's no shot if it was 18 that I was sober. I was at that game, but I was I was not sober. There you go. There you go. We got to go back through the uniform combinations, find yeah. out when they did I was red, black, say, red. It kind of looks like UCF, but obviously it's not UCF because they went all black and that. That was that was a night game. This is a day game. Oh, I just didn't know if it was super lit up because of No, that's the a day game for sure. That's a day okay. game. Um, but, yeah, I – I don't know. I obviously he's not Tommy Tuberville type of sit, you know managerial approach where it's completely hands off, like no hands at all. Uh, but Aaron was physically present. Yeah, he was. That's about the only presence. Lights are on, no one's home. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> Cars running, no one's driving. Yeah. There we go. We get the Mike Warren touchdown up on the wall. Boom. There we Locked go. Uh, but yeah, so you know, obviously, as you said, Chad, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Kind of what, what, how he asserts himself during practice, and obviously, yeah, that, I think that's the telltale sign of like whether true, you know, a CEO coach kind of will sit back, yeah. and and let the guys he hired run practice. You know, more of a hands-on guy will will roll up the sleeves and right and get involved. But it is impressive putting this together. Um, and it ties into us real quick going into recruiting side of things because you know. Recently, we got the Bearcats got a commitment from Daniel Greshek, uh, who said that the first person to reach out to him was Jack Griffith, who you know we mentioned the the, the money ball type approach, as as Aaron said, and you know I, the reason why some people said that Greshek wasn't you know rated as high or or didn't get a bunch of huge power five teams going after him is because of his size. Well, maybe this is a a thing where the money ball aspect saw well, hey. I throw away the size this guy simply makes plays uh, you know he's he's a sack artist he's gonna fit in perfect with the defense uh and and some of the quotes in the uh, story that was that was posted on the board are just fantastic uh, he said he, they they led the country in sacks at louisville last year it certainly caught my attention really i just wanted to try and play in power five ball find a team that matched my skill set and he talked about playing with the godfather he said they what they call him the godfather right yeah, we talked about him, and then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then, of course, he closed it out with this: "We want to be the best defense in the Big Twelve. Try and lead the country in sacks again, and shoot. We're trying to get back to the college football playoff. So, all mentality. Hell yeah, brother! 
all things that you can now say with a power five. You know, you can you can say I want to go play for a power five team, which is the first time that anyone could say that. So um just thoughts on 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 Grishik. Uh Aaron and Chad, I don't know if you guys might have already touched on it on a in a nightcap, but Ryan, it seems like it's it's a uh, missing piece of a you know pass rushing specialist that that kind of Ivan Pace shouldered that entire load this past year. Yep. Uh big same thing. It's kind of like a nice, it's like a little surprise little splash addition. So like I said, just another thing in the right direction. Uh, I think we got some momentum going. We got to carry it through in the spring ball and really see what this staff's about and get to see what he brings to the to the already pretty stacked D line. So I'm excited. Another thing yeah, I'd any, like, yeah, go ahead, Aaron. Any additions you can put on defensive line right now, uh, certainly welcome additions as that room has been um, – They've had some guys leave. Uh, so, yeah, time to start stacking. D-line's actually one of the best rooms they got coming back, I think. And they still – they've lost a couple guys. I mean, but, again, you know, we saw injury in, well, in, injuries decimated the room last year. Right. So, I mean, like I said, just yeah. keep, keep stacking guys because you're – you know, the guys who started at the beginning of the season, you'd be lucky if those are the same guys starting at the end of the season. Right, right. But, yeah, I – I'm interested to see because because you mentioned how the defense they like to confuse opposing offensive lines and move all over the place and bring different looks at them and just pressure 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 which is a little glimpse into what uh, the new defense will look like as well which is all you know strap it on and go <laughs> so I'm I'm excited to see how that looks as well but uh, of course and then today two uh, two Arizona State transfers first kicker Carter Brown so I don't know. I, Ryan, have you been able to reach out to the boys real quick and and, and see if, if they're ready to start? You know, Carter Brown. How, how do you like the ball? You you want the laces facing you? You want laces out? You know, is Burton ready? Is Kaysen Pfeiffer was actually mentioned as the best snapper in the country by a uh, by a special teams Twitter account this uh, really today? Yeah. So so that's oh, another wow. thing there. Um, but and then uh, Arizona State return specialist DJ yeah. Taylor as well. Haven't heard anything about either of those guys, but I can get some scoop for you guys, if you will, for next week. Worth mentioning that Carter Brown was 11 of 14 at Arizona State, uh, three of four from 20 to 29, three of three from 30 to 39, four of six from 40 to 49, and one of one from 50, that long being 53. There you go. And he did one of those things, 70-yarder, without any like anyone holding it. I don't know how much credence that, that gives if, it, if it's just one of those in practice where you're just booting it as far as you can. But the state, They say the stick, for some reason, makes it a little easier. I don't okay. know why, but that's what they say. Okay, so but still, he drilled one from 70. Yeah, it, uh, Bruce our recruit was like the ninth-rated kicker in his class coming out of, uh, out of high school, according to 247. So it's uh, – What's wrong over there, Chad? Kelsey just came in. This is a good one. You guys are going to like this. She asked me, um, I guess one of her friend's birthdays is this weekend. Oh. And she came in and asked me, I I don't know if this is something new. Can Can I go to the Kenwood Mall with her on Saturday because her mom is taking her shopping? I said, Sure. She said, well, you're going to give me money to go shopping, right? It's it's not your birthday. (laughs) Yeah, but I can't go if like 
that's not fair. If she gets to shop and I, I have to go and I don't get to shop, then I guess you don't get to go. Then don't go. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me guess. You want two hundred dollars to go to Lululemon in the Kenwood Mall? <laughs> buy like buy one thing. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say one. And thing you're about to there. say a bunch of things. I was like, yeah. no, one thing. I've been to Lululemon with her before. Yeah, those, one those are half. not. Yeah, can we cut that one in half and then mark it down for me? <laughs> I, I know you guys don't have daughters. Who? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, yes. Like twelve-year-old daughters. No. Like daughters that are putting me in the situation that I'm in here, this this has to be a new thing, right? Can I can I go shopping with my friend for her birthday? I mean, I did I'm smart. going to need money. Ryan, you did guys, you did the same thing growing up though. I never did that, but she's smart. Uh, well, no, but like, there. like I'm going out with my friends. Can you throw me some money? I, I like the timing wow. of it too, as you're in the middle of a podcast. Hey, real sure. quick. Yeah, yeah, she just opens the door and like stands there. Dad, I saw your wallet. Can I take a couple 20s? Out of, out of spite, you should have left her standing there until the end of Brent's two-hour podcast. <laughs> My two-hour podcast? We're all talking. All right, that's it here on the PvP. Another fantastic PvP. See ya. Are we in the mailbag yet? I. No, I mean, two other. We can be. Arizona State uh, kicker, Arizona State kickoff return. And that's it. Go ahead and timestamp that, guys. <laughs> Is there anything about DJ Taylor worth mentioning, Brent? I don't know. You got anything? I didn't research anything on DJ Taylor. I okay. found out about him mid-afternoon. I was watching B. Slot receiver, punt returner, kick returner, um, can help on special teams, good speed. Got caught up in uh Got caught up in a weird situation at Arizona State this year. A lot of guys did, I think. And, you know, a lot of them are coming to Cincinnati. <laughs> well, hopefully it wasn't riding around on a uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on, on a scooter. Doing comment. some encouragement. <laughs> DJ <laughs> Taylor, though, Chad, because someone will probably try and correct you. Defensive back. Not a slot receiver but yeah sorry defensive back. more more return specialist than anything but yeah. um, nickel nickel guy i'm sorry yeah. that's what yeah my brain doesn't work right now I'm All just, right, I'm tr- my 12 year old's trying to hustle me in the middle of the podcast i'm <laughs> you're he's on his heels she's trying to get you got you're on tilt all right i'll go ahead and timestamp. i'll i'll timestamp. quick paper supply your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants, low minimum next day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029, and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Support our sponsors because apparently I'm a, my child is trying to just run me straight into the ground. <laughs> my I mean, just tell her that Christmas just happened. I did. You're still paying it off. Moving on. No, no means no. Oh, I can't wait until you have a 12 year old daughter. Well, I work for you, so we all know how uh, 
how those conversations are going to go. <laughs> Can't afford it. Next. I see how it is. It's not a knock. I see how it is. I see how we, it is. It, anyway. <laughs> Just an easy out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Time, uh, let's uh, let's let's mailbag it. All right. Uh, mailbag wasn't very full. That's on me. I didn't get it up until a little later in the afternoon. Um, but that's all right. We should be able to get through it quickly. Starting off in the football portion of the mailbag, uh, EC Merck asks, what would you set the over-under at for the amount of four stars in next year's recruiting staff? Well, I'm going to go with zero on staff, and I think that's the safe answer. Uh, yeah, I don't think there'll be any four stars in the recruiting staff. So <laughs> I don't I don't think anybody rates the staff. Like you might get a grade or something, but I don't think anybody gives the staff stars. I'll go with I'll go with I'll set the over under at 0.5 and I'll take the under. <laughs> um, but if he's talking about uh, on the that line actual... brought, brought to you by Bedfred Sports. <laughs> if we're talking about actual four stars on the uh, recruiting class, what would you set the over under at? Mm, four and a half. I was about to say that. And we're taking four and five. Okay. I need to see how but, things develop. I like. I, I think they're, they've got a really good recruiting staff in place. Like. You know, we'll, we'll see if they can get some things done there, but uh, I'll go four and a half. Brent, what you got? You're the gambling aficionado. Um, over. That's what you would set the over-under at? Or are you saying four and, four and a half would also be about right? <laughs> I'm going to set the over-under at over. No, I said you could win with anything. because Yeah. But you think four and a half is a good number, Brent? Yeah, it's a pretty solid number. Because I think okay. Portal, obviously. So, okay. Yeah, I think we'll still see plenty of Portal additions and subtractions next year. Every year, forever, pretty much. Uh, although it, I don't know that. I think you see more when you have a coaching change. So, we'll see. Uh, thoughts on Huber's comments about Cincinnati and Clifton? It's a bad look. I kind of said I, I, that it's a it's a it's a dad whose kid had success, and you see it happen a lot where you get some hype around your kid, your kid does well, and parents get kind of selfish and want to make it more about them, and they kind of lead leads to jackassery. And you know, kind of, I don't think shitting on Clifton's the answer. You can be excited for your son and excited for his opportunity. It's unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Why? why? Like what, I know this what, program what, gave a lot. What, what gave a lot to him. You? Yeah, the, the the kid didn't have a scholarship. Like he had to walk on here. Like he was a late bloomer. From from everything I know, from talking to you guys and talking to guys on the team, this has nothing to do with Joe because Joe did things absolutely the right way. He came in every day. He worked hard. He earned his spot. But to his dad, who's been a member here, and I'm sure in one way, shape, or form, will hear this, and I'm sure he's heard a lot of backlash over people haven't been afraid to tag him on twitter for sure it's unnecessary like 
Cincinnati was very good to Joe. But I think what it comes down to, and I, I think Ryan can attest to this, being from where he's from, there's a lot of people that outside of the 275 loop that look down their nose at Cincinnati. And and, and no matter, even, even with one of Ohio State's own here, building it up, there was still always a lot of like, dislike probably isn't the word because I don't think they really disdain disdain I think is probably I think it's just I think people just don't know and like I didn't know I wasn't I wasn't like a hater or any or like a shit talker but you just don't like you don't really know that's why it's called the state of Cincinnati you don't really know what it's like what it's about until you get down here and you live in it um and it's kind of shocking for I'm I'm I don't know maybe it's the fact that he doesn't live down in it and he just visits for Saturdays and you know he he may get a bad opinion just for his Clifton experience like once every drunk Saturday so I don't know I think it's just a misinformed opinion I think it's something that if he can he should walk back on but the damage has already been done yeah I just don't like I, what what was gained. Yeah, by shitting on Cincinnati multiple times. Yeah. I, I just think sometimes you get caught up in a moment talking to a reporter, and you don't even realize necessarily the stuff that's coming out of your face when you're saying it. But and he's probably never in that situation a lot, too. You know, being interviewed, sure. Yeah, I just, I, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't get what purpose it serves. I don't get what good it does anybody. Like it, it, it instead, like Joe Huber could have left here as a, as a guy that. When UC fans go to Wisconsin and has a lot of success that UC fans would have thought fondly of, of like, mm-hmm. hey, there's a dude that came here, he walked on, he busted his ass. Yeah, okay, he went with Fickle. Like, I don't like it, but it's part of the process. And now you have an enemy. Like you, yeah, <laughs> like there, there's nobody here that's pulling for your kid anymore. And this is they they, they went that like I connected them with five one three shirts and they had fans. Literal opposite of Sun's motto. Not wrong. Through silence comes violence. Like no, it's just it's just being loud to be loud. I don't know. Did he think that that it was going to show up on a twenty four seven article at Wisconsin and Cincinnati people weren't going to read it? But like you, you've now played your hand. What you you think about the city? Like that's not a good look. It's just not. It's it's. Un, un, that's the main thing I think is, is unnecessary. What was accomplished by that? Hard to say. Um, the, yeah, I think that he didn't. He didn't really think he was going to reach us. To be honest, I don't think he thought that far into it. But look, man, it's the internet. No, I know. I I know. But I'm just saying that's what I think that he thought. But I also thought as well. Just mention that Madison's pretty. You don't have to touch on yeah. the other stuff. Move on. We love the campus. We, we, yeah. David, his comments were not implying gunshots. His comments were his actual gunshots. We're actual saying gunshots. Yeah. <laughs> were sirens and gunshots were his actual comments about Clifton. I lived in Clifton for five years. I, I can't remember. I don't think I ever heard one gunshot, but you know, if, if you hear a couple, it's just you know, it's not a big deal. Just you're Those safe. Are <laughs> You're safe. You're Those are here, here's what I hope doesn't happen. 
and I, I'm afraid that it might, is that this rubs off on on Will and, and Daryl. Hubert. You know? People, people oh, because it's the same Hubert. last name? They're just going to say, oh. I, I saw somebody earlier today. Wasn't his, didn't his dad play at UC? Like, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's another Hopefully thing you not. have to consider. Yeah. Like, that you're potentially doing damage to somebody else. In the, in the world of public perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who love Cincinnati, who love Clifton, both of them. Yeah. Just, it's a bad look. It's an unnecessary, unneeded, bad look. All right. Uh, the biggest position group. Kathy and I agree on something, Aaron. It's a new year, new year, new me. Hi, Kathy. Love you. <laughs> Uh, biggest position group of strength as of today. Biggest weakness right now and still needs to be addressed in the portal. Brent, you've been a little quiet during the mailbag. We'll start with you. What you got? Uh, defensive line. Biggest strength. Weakness, okay. offensive line. Okay. Yes. I agree. That's my answer. Um. I think that you could argue between tight end and wide receiver as well. For yeah, weakest for weakest. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know that any of us are going to argue that defensive line right now is the strength of this team. I think that offensive line just hurt us so bad last year that like now you're losing those guys. You're losing um, guys too, and it's like all right, you're, you're losing, losing guys on an offensive line that stunk. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, but it's just like I know. I'm just. It's just like now you have to. Fi- yeah, you have to fill in. Fill in shit, basically. <laughs> it's like you got a shit. Yeah. Poop or shit. Well, I guess. I guess the only thing I was gonna say, as far as the offensive line goes, is they've already addressed it with what one, two, three guys in the transfer portal already. Um, so there, it's not in as dire straits as it was. My guess is there'll be a couple three weeks more as well. Sure. Yeah, probably need some more. Uh, Darren Van Paris says linebacker. I think so, yeah. But uh, I mean, the Ivan Pace thing but is, is Ivan's is gone. Tough. Van Fossen's yeah. gone. Um, but just Jaheim and, and Deshaun, I guess you've got two established guys. Um, Punter but, kicker might be also a uh, group of strength. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. They, they figured the one out. Right. Pun- Punter is the strongest. I think running back will be a position of strength again as well. Kiner. That's a good Ethan, running back room, man. Ethan, yeah. It's yep. a good running back room. Miles Montgomery. Miles, yeah. Stephen Bird. You know, you're bringing in uh, Manny Covey. I, there's a lot of talent in that running back room. Yeah. Good. Uh, offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, definitely the – quarterback's got to be an area of strength, right? You've got 13 guys in that room right now. <laughs> Oh, it's yeah. at least it's at least deep. I don't know how strong it is yet, but it's it's certainly deep. I think they're gonna finally do the two quarterback offense where they have both on the field at the same time. Reminds me of a joke. Two guys are standing on a bridge. They're taking a leak over the top of the bridge, and the one guy looks at each other and looks at the other and goes, This water's cold. And the other guy goes, Yeah, it's deep too. <laughs> Dad joke time for you. All right, that's the football portion of the mailbag. <laughs> Moving on to the basketball portion. Uh, if Odie 
makes the two uncontested dunks. It was three. And both of JD's threes that went in and out actually dropped. Do we put enough stress on Houston to win the game? Or is this specific Houston team going to beat this specific Bearcats team 10 times out of 10, regardless of the circumstance? Uh, 13-point game, I don't think 10 times out of 10, but 9, 8, probably. They're, they're just more talented, you know? Um I don't, I mean, yeah, it changes the game if if you get a couple of those extra points that you needed, especially early in that second half when when they were desperate. But uh, I think Houston had that thing pretty comfortably most of the way, if not the whole way. I, I mean, I think it would be interesting in the first half if JD did knock down those wide open threes. Then, because then, it, you know, when it was knotted up at 18, maybe it's it's like a five-point or, you know, six-point lead for Cincinnati. And then that, that little run there kind of evens things up at halftime, and then it's kind of a little different coming out in the second half. So it would be interesting. All right. Uh, do you think Houston jumped the passing lanes with regularity and no conscious because of a lack of respect for our athleticism? Mm-hmm. If they miss the pass, they just cover and deny us. Or is Sasser and crew just that intuitive on top of being athletic as hell? I think it's just part of their defensive scheme this year. Do you think they keep track of deflections? Everyone keeps track of deflections. Every team in the country. I think uh, I think also it's like a lot of times you saw Odie and like I I think like they were trying to force feed Odie at times because I think he they was knew. Gonna, he was the guy open right, right. He, it's not yeah. a force feed no, if you're under the hoop no, I know I'm just saying I'm just saying I think that's why the Houston defense said okay we can we can attack the passes to these other guys and leave him wide open and so um, yeah I'm, I, I well what they're essentially saying that. is whoever's guarding Odie can help. So yeah. if if we jump the passing lane, whoever's tagging that guy can can slide up and give us the mon- the momentary like ability to recover. Right. That's a good point, Brent. I agree. Um, <clears throat> Chad Nair mentioned that JD and DDJ took good shots. Still, was it last night on the nightcap? Uh, still, was it too many considering they were combined 0 of 11 first half and Vic was only one of two? The make being an offensive rebound. I think Vic covered that himself in the post game press conference. If you go watch it, he admitted to being too passive in the first half and not looking to be aggressive against Houston's defense and instead looking to move the ball, which was probably, if you go back and really like chart things. Um, why they got a lot of open looks for, for Dave and JD. Um, but they just didn't like it, it's, I know it's easy for fans to sit and watch and say, well, those guys are 0 for 11. Like they, they can't shoot, but like you have to stop them from shooting, but that's not how this offense is designed. It's designed to move the ball and then the open guy shoots. And they move the ball, and the open guy shot, and it's one of your better offensive weapons at that, and then they miss. Well, you don't – you can't, as a coach, go into a huddle and be like, all right, you two, stop fucking shooting. (laughs) Like, that's – like, that's not how (laughs) – That would be hilarious. (laughs) Right. It's like telling, like, Dez, I know you see AP deep, 
Do not throw him the ball. Don't, don't throw him. He, throw he, he dropped. He dropped two. Uh, he he didn't he didn't catch two 50-50 balls. So just don't throw it down the field to him anymore. I know this That's play not was, how it works. This play was particularly designed for you to throw the ball to AP, but don't do it because. I mean, that's what Wes said. These are in the flow of the offense, wide open looks for JD. Right. Rhythm looks. Right. He said he said he didn't like two shots that Jeremiah had. Yeah. And and he took eleven. Right. So I don't know. Um, Chad, you were mentioning that this was mentioned in by Vic in the postgame presser, which brings up a question that we had earlier during the show. Uh, do you know why postgame pressers aren't always broadcast live or posted at all? Talking about the UC YouTube channel specifically. Because generally there are no post-game pressers on the road. All the ones at home are broadcast. Uh, on the road, it ain't a big travel party. Like the Inquirer generally sends somebody. So Scott will be at most of the road games. Justin only goes to a handful and we don't really get to go to any. Um, so, you know. Also wanted to address this question while we were here in the chat. Uh John White is new to BCJ membership. How does one enter a question in the mailbag? Uh, that's simple. Uh, sometime during the afternoon on Monday, I try to get it in there by noon, but sometimes it doesn't happen at that time. Um, but we will have one mailbag in each of the uh, on each of the boards: one on the football board, one on the basketball board, and one on the banks board. And uh, oh, fake John Goble was answering it as well while I was talking. Uh, but yeah, you'll see those on the BCJ boards, and they're pinned at the top. So. And he does address me being a slacker as well. Thanks, fake John Goble. Not not running after a kid or anything. Not yet, but I will be. In any case, uh, last question in the mailbag for the basketball portion. Uh, who plays more minutes the rest of the season? Kalu, Hensley, Newman, Finnessy, or Sage? What you got, Brent? Um... I'd say it would go Kalu, Hensley, Fennessy, Newman, Sage. You think in that order? Yep. It's Fennessy right now trending to be back before Newman? I thought Newman I don't think trending. so. I no? think I think Fennessy before Newman. I don't think so. Well, I, I don't think either of them are going to be coming back anytime soon. So I think it's still a couple weeks away, but but John is farther along. At least last I heard, John is farther along. I think than... yesterday they were, they were saying Rob's looking close. And then okay. John was kind of, I don't know. We'll see, though. Like I said, I haven't I haven't yeah. been around. So, Well, I'll, I'll say I'll say Hensley, Kalu, Newman, Finnessy, Sage. I think Sage are going to probably try to get a medical redshirt. Yeah. So yeah. I, I doubt that we see him. Um, and the, oh, there were some more added. How about that? Um, just, I don't, them. I was gonna say, I don't have them cut and pasted. Uh, do you think Houston can win the national championship this year from uh, Pat can dunk? Absolutely. I do think they can. I think what I would worry about if you look at that, and this has kind of been a Kelvin thing, um, over the last couple, they don't have any depth. Like, they didn't like, I think they played seven really, like seven primary guys. They had two guys that got spot minutes. They got nothing from their bench. Like they are entirely reliant on their their five starters. 
Uh, now their five starters are really freaking good. So, and the way he plays, you're generally going to have at least three and usually four of them on the floor at all times. So maybe that doesn't catch up to him. But in a tournament setting, I would worry a little bit about that, that they don't have enough of that depth where they could, you know, buy three or four or five extra minutes a night, like in a, a quick turnaround setting. Um, but they, they've done that. Like Kelvin's had a pretty – and injuries have caused some of that. Like last year, they – right. They, you know, they they had a lot of injury shit that they had to deal with, but um, I don't know. I I I would I would say yes. That obviously they can. Like the metrics are through the roof on Houston, so you know, they're number one in Ken Palm, number one in net uh, by a pretty good margin. So yeah, they they absolutely can. I, I just think depth would be my main concern. Uh, from ES Blowfield or Blofeld or Biofeld, I'm not sure if that's an I or no. Eco, Echo, whatever. I just I just copy and paste. So <laughs> uh, during the game yesterday, I overheard someone from the AD say Houston has four times the NIL money we do. I found this surprising considering how weak their fan support is. Every time one of their games is on TV, the attendance ain't too great, and folks there seem to think UH ranks pretty low in the city's sports pecking order. Any idea where UC stands NIL-wise with respect to our soon-to-be peers in the Big 12? Nowhere close. Because Houston has a billionaire that likes spending his money on Houston athletics. Hmm. Mr. Like, Frittata. Yeah, Mr. Frittata, sausage and spinach <laughs> frittata, uh, <laughs> likes to spend a lot of his discretionary billions of dollars on Houston athletics. And uh, UC has great sponsors, uh, great connections, but they don't have somebody with that kind of money that is just, you know, extra. Oh, what do you need? Four million? I got that in the wallet. Here's my hemorrhaging money at the sports program. The the government has issued me million dollar bills. (laughs) Here's five of them. Go do what you need to do. All right, and the last portion of the mailbag, the bank's mailbag. uh, I haven't even looked at this today, so this is a new one to me. I'm proud to say we are nine days into the new year, and I have not broken my resolution, and Aaron still breathes. It's true. Uh, Transfer portal question. If you had to leave being a Bearcats fan, what school would you transfer your allegiance to? I'd probably go UCLA. Would that change if a certain somebody ended up Maybe. somewhere else? Maybe, but I, I love LA. Like I I'm I'm a big Los Angeles fan. So maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm super interested to hear what the guy below me says. Um you know, being from Columbus, people say that you'd think I'd be a buckeye guy, but I'm but not gonna go, you're go to bowling green. but i mean having like coach freeman and uh coach fickle at at notre dame and wisconsin i always i'm always going to find myself rooting for them and their success um so probably if you say freeman he will disown you if he hears this who fickle 
Yeah, you'll be out of you'll be out of the will. He's about to say he's about to say on Wisconsin as as no. La A or, or whatever the Notre Dame, whatever the <laughs> no, I hey Fick, if Fick wants to be that petty, then he can he can we could go wrestle for for it. I'll beat his ass in wrestling. <laughs> Fake John Goble. That's a good one. He lives under a rock. He'll never hear this. Yes. That rock is not as big as he says it is. I'll just tell you that right now. Oh. <laughs> mm, interesting. Aaron, you going right state? Uh no, I mean, I don't I don't know that I have to actually leave being a Bearcats fan to be a Wright State fan. There's only one sport there. So I, well, I guess two with baseball. Um, I'd probably say UCF, and I'm sure that that, that, will, that doesn't bode well, but my cousin lives down in Orlando. I can go down to Orlando and just kick it with him, go tailgate. <laughs> God, you should know better not to say that. I don't care. I mean, you guys want an answer. I'm giving you an answer. Um, I, I have built-in built-in tailgate friends. Like I went to tailgate and was pissed I couldn't drink down there when I was down there. So um, still had a couple though. I I, I didn't. But I'm thanks. Joking. Pain. Uh, yeah. You just like to ride in that lazy river. Um, I'd, I'd probably go. I didn't see you're it. You're going. Come on. You're going Indiana, Brent. We already know. No, I actually I out of the two because my. My buddy played on the basketball team at Purdue during my my time in college. I actually was more of a Purdue fan um, out of those two. But uh, if I had to do it, uh, let's go. I mean, I root for IU and Purdue, and I I don't know. Let's I'd, I'd go IU still because because it's a party school and it's a lot of fun. There you go. Woo! Woo! All right. Purdue's not much of a, there's not much partying in West Lafayette. If you find the right group, then yes. But uh, other than that, a lot of my fellow workers at GE, and let's just say there's not a lot of partying going on. <laughs> Those Purdue guys aren't sticking anybody's head in a fan. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> no, no, but they're uh, they're sporting our United States military. So I guess there you know go. some some people they have different opinions on what's more important. Boom. I like to play both sides of the coin though on that one. <laughs> Follow-up question: If you were cooking a steak for Aaron, what cut would you cook, and what sides? I'd give him a a well-done chuck roast. Yeah, we gotta give something <laughs> a side of shit. I don't know, like terrible collard greens. Yeah, <laughs> no one for you either. No ketchup. <laughs> I'd, I'd give him a. I'd give. I'd, I'd try to like make him understand, and give him a medium rare bone-in ribeye. Yeah. So that so that he could like a, a really good like dry aged medium rare bone-in ribeye. So he like, like a precinct. A, yeah, like so he would have the experience of what a great steak tastes like. Yeah, go, to the pre, go, to the, go to the go to the go to the precinct and, and get a, a room mixed there. veggies from a can. Somebody give Aaron some mixed veggies from a can. <laughs> Chad, Chad's gonna take him there to the precinct. Yeah, we'll take Aaron no, out. No, Aaron's already talked about how cheap I am. So no, after you give your daughter shopping money, you're gonna take Aaron to the precinct. Fuck. 
The Aaron, money tree. You... The money tree is doing great out in the back. I'll get you the uh, what? I'll get you a nice Wagyu cut of a Ooh. filet and just you can cook it you, without any butter. Let you yeah. just melt the Wagyu. Yeah, cooks in its own fat, and you'll just sit there and be like, you know, this steak is not half bad. All right, I like this steak. A little cream a spinach, a little, little, you know. Mm. Little, Are you a spinach guy? The lobster mac and cheese. Cream spinach yes. is my jam. Very good. Very good. Brussels sprouts. They have to be like with the with the right like. They're roasted. The right they're gonna come roasted. They're gonna be cut up. It'll be nice. Some right oysters. Get some oysters. It's just some oyster Rockefeller. <laughs> uh, P.S. Hashtag AAC twenty three and fuck cancer. Amen. Amen. A. I heard that. Amen. Uh, that's the mailbag. All right. Well, wow. Brent, Brent only missed the first half. And you know what? Bets are looking pretty good. I took so, the over at 63 on like three different I sides. took I took the live bet plus 19 and a half TCU. Oh, and then I'm starting to, starting to feel like a jackass. I could see a 17-point Georgia victory. And now I'm seeing a fucking 31-point lead. Come on, Max Duggan. Help Close me. And a half. <laughs> it was 24 to 7. And I, I looked know. over at you guys for 10 minutes and it was 38. I was like, what the happened yeah. back here? Before the half, somehow that quickly. Like, goodness. What happened? What the half happened? So you're selling the house. <laughs> <laughs> Get All us right. out of here, Brent. Well, guys, we did a good job finishing up. The podcast, our podcast. Not, yeah, no two hours. We not, not two us. hours. All of us, the BBP. Mm-hmm. You're the one steering the ship. That's why I call now, it the podcast. But now I want to give a big shout out and a big thank you to our guy Dan Kojo and Dan Co Transmission and Auto Care. Big shout out to Quick Paper Supply uh, for all the timestamps they've been supplying. And uh, also, Fred. big shout out to Bet Fred. Thank you for giving me the juice to make my bet today, Bet Fred. There you go. We'll talk later. But aside from that, yet again, guys, game on Wednesday night, ECU, 9 p.m. Stay tuned. All things Bearcats on BCJ. Another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!